My name is Pastor Stan. I've probably met most of you or you have seen me. Um, this is now week number two of uh, Pastor Mike being away. And uh, actually he is uh, back in America and we are looking for a new lead pastor. So we invite you to continue praying and we'll see what God has. Um, we'll be giving you more updates as uh, we get information. It's not going to be like the husband um, when he met his wife and at the wedding he said, I love you. And she wondered why he never said anything for a while. And he said, I'll let you know when it changes. A wife wouldn't want to go years and years without hearing I love you and I'm sure you wouldn't want to go too many weeks without updates. So we'll keep you posted. We actually have nothing new to, to let you know today, but uh, we'll, we're at that point. It looks like it was providential that I gave Pastor Mike an ice scraper for his car, because if any of you have seen the Facebook posts or the news reports from that part of America, he has had an opportunity to use it, and apparently the dog likes to eat snow. So uh, that's the update from there. Something else that I should probably say, and uh, Matthew, if you need to correct me uh, or need to say anything in addition, let me know, but we are two weeks away from the annual general meeting, and uh, technically we need to give you two weeks' notice on that. So this is your notice. It's going to be in two weeks after the service, starting about 12.30, and there are booklets that are available for you that have the reports um, that are in there. So if you're a member... Be sure to put that meeting on your calendar and plan to be here. And you can pick up the uh, AGM booklet today, or there's a way you can let Dory know and she can send you a soft copy of it so you can look at it that way. Um, so just uh, with all those things going on, want to be sure that we um, get that word out. So we've started this sermon series called Journey. We're started on a journey uh, following Jesus. That's what we're doing here um, with the messages. And by the way, there were three things that you were supposed to pack. Does anybody remember what any of those are? Grace, love, patience. Now we need to be sure to have those three things with us as we go through life and journey with Jesus. You guys remember them. You're doing good. John, how did you remember the first one? His wife's name is Grace, and so he always wants to travel with Grace. Um, but as we go through this journey at AIC, looking, at, uh, looking for a new lead pastor and the, tra uh, the transitions and changes that we're going to go through, the first thing we need to look at is, do we have those three qualities in our life? Because we're going to have opportunities to use them. And so we're going, we're going through this journey. And uh, today we want to look at uh, Scripture. It's in your handout. If you don't have this, the notes, um, they are available for you. You can put your hand up and get those. But the Scripture that we're looking at comes from three different places. And you'll see that the main character in there is John the Baptist. And um, what I get out of this is the idea of anticipation. Something is about to happen. There's something exciting that's going to happen. And we're going through that personally here in our lives um, at AIC. But anticipation is something that we experience in our lives, maybe from the very youngest years, 
Those of you who grew up in a home with children approaching Christmas, do you know what anticipation is? Or another major holiday, or a birthday. Anticipation is looking forward to it. My granddaughter came to visit us. She was three. She came to visit us in November. Her parents didn't tell her more than about four weeks ahead that she was coming because they knew she would be bugging them every day. Do we leave today? Do we leave today? They actually made a chart and they would cross off the days for how many sleepovers she needed to have before she could come to see Grandpa and Grandma in Hong Kong. That's anticipation. Um, I wonder what it was like living in Hong Kong in 1995 in 1996, because there was a well-known event that was going to happen in 1997. What was the anticipation like in Hong Kong? What's it like when you have a new baby coming into your home? Praise the Lord, He gives us a few months notice. The babies don't usually just show up unless there's an adoption involved. But uh, there's an anticipation that something's going to happen. Students, is there a big test coming up? Are there some exams that you need to do? Is there anticipation? There will always be prayer in school as long as there are exams. What is it like to leave Hong Kong unless you take the road or, or the ferry? Um, most of us do it through the airport. Is there an anticipation when your ticket is there? Will you show up on time? Will you get through all the proper checking points and arrive at your gate in time? There's an anticipation. Something is going to happen. Something is going to change. But you know, there's a good side of anticipation because we want to look forward to something. We know that something's going to happen. But there's also a difficult side of anticipation. It's called waiting. Waiting. Now my granddaughter knew that she had 28 or 30 days that she had to mark off the calendar until she gets here. But what happens if you don't know how many days you need to wait? That makes it hard. How long, Lord, am I going to need to go through this experience? How long will it be until something happens? I know it's going to happen, but when? Change is coming. But you know, there comes a time when we want to know where the end is. And what we see in the passage of Scripture that we're looking at today is the end has come. I'm not sure that everybody realized it. You see, the Israelites had been waiting for 400 years. It was 400 years from Malachi to Jesus. They had been waiting. And so this portion of Scripture that we're looking at today is... The beginning of Jesus' ministry. He's going to be introduced here by John the Baptist. 
But there's a whole series of things that happened before that. By the way, it's roughly 30 years from Christ's birth until the beginning of His ministry. And so we're skipping over the whole Christmas events. We'll talk about them in December. And by the way, starting next week, we're going to take a little pause in this journey because Easter's coming. Right now, we're four weeks away from Easter. So next week, we're going to start a three-week look at the Scriptures surrounding Easter. And we'll kind of put some brackets around it. After Easter, we'll come back to the walk through Jesus' life. But the Israelites have been waiting for 400 years. It seemed like God is silent. He's not saying anything for 400 years. Do you have any idea how long 400 years is? Nobody lives that long. If you start counting up the generations, I mean, unless you're, you're Methuselah or some of the Old Testament characters, nobody lives that long. I started figuring it out. 400 years is about 15 or 16 generations, depending on how you count that. Do you know who your great, 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 grandfather is? He's the one that lived 400 years ago. What was going on in your world 400 years ago? Let's see, that would be 1618. Wow. There's a rock in the state of Massachusetts that has the date 1620 on it. So that's almost 400 years. It's called Plymouth Rock. It's the place where the first long-term settlement came from Europe to America and settled in Massachusetts. And so living in a country that is relatively young, we don't have history that goes back dynasties upon dynasties, 400 years is about how far you go back for America. I also found out, uh, for those of you who want to cheer for Australia, anybody want to do that? Do we have any? No, no Australians? Where's, uh, where's Mark? Um, the, 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 uh, the search that I did found out that the Dutch discovered Australia about 400 years ago. So they were sailing around the world at that point. Um, William Shakespeare died about 400 years ago. So if you're reading those old plays and things, you're reading some really old stuff. Um, I'm not sure how many of you will remember this. Does anybody know what a slide rule is? The calculator has taken it over. There we go. The slide rule was invented about 400 years ago. Um, you can praise the Lord, you don't need to use one of those. Um, the Ming Dynasty was towards the end of its period of time 400 years ago. Macau was, found by the, was started by the Portuguese about 400 years ago. And Hong Kong? I wanted to find out what was going in Hong Kong 400 years ago. Wikipedia doesn't really have anything to say. Hong Kong was really a rather insignificant fishing village. China didn't care much about it. They're out there fishing. And so 400 years ago was a long time ago. The last the Israelites heard from God, that there was a messenger from God, 
was a period of 400 years. And then John the Baptist springs on the scene and there's this anticipation that something is going to happen. But I wonder, what happens when God is silent? What happens in our world when God is silent? What happens in our hearts? What happens in our church? Not for 400 years. Four years would be a long time. Forty days would be a long time. What do we do when God is silent? And so I wanted to look at that just a little bit and share a few things here with you of what was going on with Israel. You see, about 550 years before Jesus came, roughly speaking, Israel had just come back from captivity in, uh, in, in Persia, in Babylon. And they came back, and you know the stories about Nehemiah. Nehemiah's the wall builder. They're reconstructing uh, the city of Jerusalem, building the walls. The temple is allowed to be, be rebuilt. And uh, so that's, that's what's going on. But Israel was in a strategic place in the world. You can see Israel up there on the map. It has the nice star. That's where Israel is. To the far right in the green would be Babylon, Persia. You can see uh, Macedonia and the peninsula there where Greece is. And then Turkey. And down towards the bottom, um, below to the left of the star, is Egypt. And Israel is almost in this strategic location where the world's great conquerors, the world's great civilizations, had to pass through Israel to get from one place to another. It's almost like they put a big shipping port in Israel because things going from Egypt to Babylon went through Israel. There's a big desert out there and nobody went through the desert, so they went up and around and through Israel. When they went from Babylon to Egypt, they passed through. And Israel was almost on the way between um, Greece and Persia. And something was happening in the world at that time. The Babylonians, the Persians are losing influence. They're the ones on the right there. And the Greeks are gaining in influence. Have you heard of Alexander the Great? Alexander fits in in that time and Alexander is a Greek. And he starts conquering what was the Persian Empire makes it the Greek Empire. The Greeks were really good at language. And they created an empire with a common language speaking Greek. These are some of the things that are going on during this 400 years. The Greeks are then conquered by the Romans. And the Romans were fine just using the Greek language. They... they did eventually move to Latin more. But they were really good at organizing things and building roads and the commerce and the transportation started moving through this ancient world in a way like it had never done before. And they set up Herod as the king in Israel. They let Israel uh, remain as their own people, but Rome ruled it. And something that happened during this period of time is they started speaking a common language. They started having the ability to travel and transport goods and people throughout the region. 
But what also happened is the people started becoming hungry for the Lord. The Greek people had some doubts about their many gods and was all that true? The Jews started um, uh, wanting to have more and they created uh, the group of the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees that had their own rules and added to the, added to the rules. And they, had, they had trouble going against the Roman Empire as they, as they tried to hold them down. And they wanted something to happen. The Jews were convinced that only the Messiah could free them from their situation. They'd been looking forward to the Messiah for many, many years. 400 years, 500 years, and even longer. But God was doing things behind the scenes. Do you see what's happening God's silent, but God is not out of touch with the world. He's letting some things happen. Matter of fact, uh, uh, the Apostle Paul talks about this in Galatians. He says, when the time had fully come, when the time had come, God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under the law. And God is bringing things about so that the circumstances the situation can be such that God can move on the people. We've seen this at other times. Not necessarily that God was silent. But after World War II, there was a great missionary movement that went out. Young men had seen parts of the world that they had never seen before. They knew that the world was wrecked and devastated. They knew that the gospel needed to go forward. There were mechanical machinery that was, was invented um, and made it possible for this to happen. And the great movement of missionaries went out in the late 1940s, 1950s, some of which we have the benefits of. While there's lots of things you could say about the British and their empire that the sun never set on, that included Hong Kong and Australia and New Zealand and India and Africa and uh, British Isles and Canada and parts of the United States at one time, um, you see what happened? They took their common language all over the world. I think it's no doubt that my, my uncle, who was a missionary for 40 plus years in Nigeria, went to Nigeria as a Canadian because both Canada and Nigeria were part of the British Empire. I wonder what God's doing now. Could we ever have imagined a country as diverse as China with untold dialects coming together and speaking one common language? How could God minister to a billion and a half people? Could one language, could a transportation network help that? I wonder. I don't know. But the roads and the culture and the language that is used to sustain our world, 
allow God's people to work in God's way in God's places. The same thing with uh, Tagalog. I understand that there's many, many dialects in the Philippines. But one language is bringing it together. You speak English or Tagalog there. And so the gospel can be spread. You've heard of Billy Graham. Billy Graham died at age 99 just recently. It's said that he spoke to 2.2 billion people on the earth. And that's not all in crusades at stadiums. That's through television, through radio, through the internet. 2.2 billion people one person has communicated with. What is God doing when He appears to be silent? It's amazing. And so I want to ask if we can go ahead to that, but our silent years. What happens when we go through our silent times? What happens when it seems like God is silent? The slide's a little bit ahead, but I want to I ask this question. Do we have anticipation for what God is going to do? Or do we have anxiety because we feel left out and lost and not hearing from God? I want to suggest a couple things, and some of these you can pick up from John's message. We're going to look at that in just a little bit. But when God is doing something behind the scenes, when you don't see Him working, I would suggest that you look within. We're going to find John addressing the within. What is God doing within you, within me? Is there something that God wants to refine? Is it time for our character to grow? Is it time for the fruit of the Spirit to be flourishing in our life? Is God developing something? Are we learning to trust in God? Do we need to learn trust, to trust God in the little things because of what God is going to do next? We find an example of this with Moses. Probably the time that is most famous about Moses is when he was a little child. He floated in the boat and was raised in the palace. And then at the end of his life, for 40 years, he draws the Israelites, leads the Israelites through the, through the wilderness to the promised land. Do you know there's 40 years in there, though, that's pretty much unaccounted for? Moses went out in the wilderness for 40 years and took care of sheep. And God used that to develop him. What about the Apostle Paul? We know that he wrote about 25% of the New Testament, traveled throughout most of the Roman world, started churches like you would not believe. Do you realize that from the time he saw the bright light and was blinded until the time he started ministry was a period of 12 to 15 years? What did God do with the Apostle Paul during that time? How was his character refined? How did he learn to trust God? So first, when there's a quiet time, when God is silent, I invite you to look within. Don't take it as a haunting time to uh, assume that everything you've done is wrong. Just because there's a quiet time, a silent time, doesn't mean that God is punishing you. 
but God is working in some way. So look within, and then also look around you. What's going on? What's surrounding you? What's going on in your world? Are there opportunities where you can join God? Is, are you facing a new season in life? Marianne and I experienced that, and we didn't realize what God was doing. We had a time when our children were being raised. They were in the home. They went off to university. They came back for a little bit. We had Marianne's mother living with us. And so we went in and out of this phase called empty nesters. One, one year we are an empty nester. The next year we're not an empty nester. During that period of time, it would have been very difficult if God had called us to Hong Kong. It would be very hard. But God waited until just the right time. He had things to do in our lives. And now that our children are grown, it's easier to be gone from them. We can communicate. So is God doing something? What are the surrounding situations? Is there some way that you can join God in what He's doing? Joseph had that time in the Old Testament. At just the right time, he was in, in Egypt to save them from the famine. What about Job's life? All the things that are going on there. It wasn't Job's fault. But there was a spiritual battle going on around him. And so I encourage you during those silent years to use it as a time of refinement and a time to see what God is doing all around you. So when things were ready, in God's time, God broke the silence. God brought John the Baptist, an unlikely character. He must have been, been rather funny looking. He had uh, some kind of rough garments, a belt, and he ate locusts and honey out in the wilderness. People came out to hear him preach and teach. He must have been quite a character. But the message resounded. And so let's look at this message that John the Baptist gives. In Luke chapter 3, this is also Matthew. Um, there's a little bit in John also. But uh, let's read it from Matthew here. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for Him. Every valley shall be filled in, every mountain and hill made low. The crooked roads shall become straight, and the rough ways smooth. And all people will see God's salvation. John said to the crowds coming out to be baptized by him, You brood of vipers! Who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance, and do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. What should we do then, the crowd asked. And John answered, anyone who has two shirts should share with one who has none. And anyone who has food should do the same. Even tax collectors come to be baptized. Teacher, they asked, what should we do? Don't collect any more than you're required, he told them. And then some soldiers asked him, 
And what should we do? And he replied, don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. The people were waiting expectantly in anticipation and were all wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be the Messiah. John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come, the straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So John wasn't the one that they were going to end up with. John was only another messenger. Another one bringing the message that God had to, that God had to give. And what does John do? What does John do? This first prophet after 400 years of silence. First of all, he intricately, intricately connects his message with what God did in the Old Testament. What we read for our opening scripture was from Isaiah chapter 40. Scripture that was written six or seven hundred years before Christ. John ties in with what God was doing in the past. God's message is one message. It's one continuous message. He invites us to get to know Him. And so, we connect with the past. It's what John did. He said, this is what God predicted. This is what God said would happen. The second thing that I find John doing is he's, he's applying the situation personally to the different people that were there. Remember the types of people that were there? There was a religious leader, the crowd, the tax collector, the soldiers, the people. And they all asked, what should I do? What should I do? He didn't give the same answer to all of them. He gave an answer that applied individually to their life. Now there's a thread that goes through all of them that connects them together. I think the thread of, of that thread would be where is your heart? Is your heart one that loves and follows God? Can you put that heartfelt belief into action by sharing your shirt or your food or not extorting, not, uh, not doing the cheating, but waiting expectantly for what God had? And so I think there's a personal application when God speaks. Anytime God speaks, it's a time for me to apply and see what God is doing. And the third thing that I see in John's message, very clearly in here he says, Jesus is most important. Jesus is more important than me. You're looking to me as this wild prophet out in the wilderness preaching a message and you're so glad to hear a message from God because it's been so long since God said anything. But it's not me. It's Jesus. Jesus is the one. I'm not even worthy to untie His sandals. Jesus is more powerful than John. 
Jesus is more worthy than John. Jesus is going to bring the Holy Spirit so that each of us can have God living in us. And so John very quickly points to Jesus. And so I just want to kind of wind up here with a few thoughts. There's a little bit more on your paper. You can use that on your, on your note paper. You can use that and take some notes. There's also some discussion questions that you can use in community groups or, or for, for you to look further into things. But I want to say, what do we do with this message? If the idea is anticipation, what can we do with this message? And first of all, I want to ask, are you in a time of expectation? Are you in a time of anticipation? Is something you can kind of tell it's going to happen? What can you do with this message? What can we at AIC do with this message? The current situation will not last forever. I have no idea how long it's going to go. But I'm looking forward to looking back. Because it's always better, it's always easier, it seems, to go through it and look back than it is to go through it. Can you tell that something new is going to happen in your life? Are you expecting God to do something? I want to encourage you to look at it with anticipation and not anxiety. It's anxious sometimes because we're waiting. We're unsure what God's doing. But have confidence that God is going to lead you on. Anticipate where you're going. That you're walking with the Master. You're not walking alone. So look at this period as a time of anticipation, not anxiety. Realize that God is doing something even if He is silent. I had a period of time in my life when it seemed like there was silence. There were some big opportunities for ministry. Some big things that God was doing. And my wife wisely came to me with some words of advice. And she said, your life right now may be like a fruit tree. It lives all year, but only makes fruit during one season. What is God doing during the off-season when the fruit isn't there? Well, there needs to be blossoms. Nutrients need to go into the plant. And eventually, there'll be the fruit. But realize that God is doing something in the silence, in the anticipation. God is doing something in your life. God is doing something at AIC. Look at the inner work that He wants to do. Is there something that God wants to use this time for in your life? Is there some character trait that He wants to work on? Is there a fruit of the Spirit that He wants to develop? Don't waste the time anxiously waiting for the next thing. Relish the journey and the time that you're in and let God work during that time. Also, get your eyes up. Don't be so concerned with where you are that you have no time to do anything is God doing something around you can you join him it may not be your first choice but is there something he can, you can do to join God 
in what he's doing. There may be outer circumstances that God is developing. Sometimes the, the situation needs to develop to the point that God's ready to move you there. The third thing that I suggest is that connect with what God has already said to you. John the Baptist was very quick to connect with the words of Isaiah and what God was doing in the past. What is God saying to you? Anything that He says to you will be consistent with His Word. It will not contradict His Bible. And so see what God is saying to you in the past. See what God is saying through the Bible. See how God has made you. How, has, how is your personality, your spiritual gifts, the abilities and passions and experiences that you have been through? Is God weaving a story that the next chapter will soon open? The fourth thing I'd like to say is to apply God's truth to your situation. There may be something that God wants you to do. There may be some situation if you have two shirts, maybe you're supposed to share one of them. If you have two languages, maybe you could help share one of them. Thank you for those of you who went to Kaiping, because I can't speak any Chinese. <laughs> Is God saying something to you like He did to the people who came to John the Baptist? What instructions do you think God would give you? Use the time for God to work in your situation. And most of all, I want to ask you a question. Where is Jesus in your life? Where is Jesus in your life? Where was Jesus for John the Baptist? John the Baptist clearly knew that Jesus was more important. That Jesus was more powerful. But where's Jesus in your life? See something that you conveniently keep in your pocket and pull out when you have an emergency? Is Jesus something that you do your thing on Sunday morning? Or is Jesus integrated into your life so that it affects you 24-7, 365? Is Jesus more important than you? Do you do His will or do you invite Him to bless your will? And so I leave you with that, that during these times when it seems like God's silent, I think it's more like a time when God is doing something and we need to discover it. We need to see it. We need to anticipate. We need to go in with an attitude of what is God doing? How can I join Him? And so use this, use this message, this time of anticipation. This time of anticipation that we're going through at AIC. Use it as a time of prayer. The under-shepherds, the search committee, the governing council, the, the, the staff, the people who teach the children. Everything is affected by this change that we're going through. And so, of course, we have our grace, we have our love, we have our patience. Let's have our anticipation of what God is going to do. How He's going to spring forth like John the Baptist with a message 
for our time, for our place, for our people, for this city, and what God is doing. Let's pray. Father, we want to glorify You. We want to come to You with an air of expectation. An understanding that You are doing something. And we look forward to it. Lord, we're glad to be at this point in history where we are part of what You're doing next. Here at AIC, but Lord, every day is a new day for us as we anticipate what You're going to do in our lives personally. The new area that You want us to turn over to You. The new area that You want us to, that we, you want us to give You control of. The new fruit of the Spirit that You want to develop in our lives. The new characteristic, the new quality. The way that You want to refine our knowledge or our personality so that we're more useful to You. We ask for Your blessings. We thank You in Jesus' name.